I don't know what people call a roguelike. I know that it has departed significantly from rogue. How do we make an AI blockchain algorithm that can machine learn a quantum computer? You will do better if you focus on something and, and master it versus if you try to be all the things at once. The number of how to become a pro at X skill in X minutes YouTube videos that are out there. Philosophers. Philosophers. We have a doozy this week. Don't we? Well, we'll see. Well, yeah, we will. Uh, so what are we talking about this week? Well, we started off before the show, as we do, uh, talking about video games. Yes. Yes. Uh, and why it seems like all the new cool games have to have like every single game mechanic that ever got popular ever. Yeah. Um, you know, like your game uh, has to have a crafting system. Survival mechanics. Survival mechanics. It needs to be open world. Shooters. You need to be able to build stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. You needs to have uh first person view. Maybe. Well, um, switch. Why not switch between both? Sure. Um, but yeah, me- guns. But melee also needs to be a viable strategy. Yes, it must be viable. Um, magic, probably. Why not? Maybe. Um, yes, all the things. Cooperative, companions, sometimes. Oh, it needs to be a battle royale. Um, <laughs> with RGP. 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 With RPG mechanics, you know, like character progression, because yes. that's important. Yes. A story. Yes, it needs to have a compelling story. Mm-hmm. And it has to have some kind of social commentary about the current political issue of the day. Yes. So, um, and then this uh, led me to decide that maybe we should just talk more broadly about uh, purity, i.e. having a purpose and sticking to it, uh, versus inclusivity being all the things. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about single-player games versus (laughs) multiplayer. Okay. No. Um. But I think that's a good place to start because that's the one thing we didn't mention is like, oh, yeah, all of these things are multiplayer, but there has to be a single player campaign as well. Yes. Because otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> um, so let's let's start with games and then we can move into other aspects, perhaps. But like but for games, I think one of the draws, well, I can tell you, I think how this happens. And look at who makes games these days, like. I want to say who, I don't mean like the individuals, but how many of them there are. Um, development studios. And I'm not saying that there aren't small development studios anymore, but most of the games that I think about that I played as a kid were made by honestly tiny studios. And mm-hmm. even going back far enough, it was not uncommon for games to be made by a single person mm-hmm. or mostly a single person with like maybe a help from one yeah, or two like the, people. the one visionary mm-hmm. with a few auxiliary, like, you know, someone for the artwork and music and stuff like that that maybe they weren't so good at. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were that God tier at making games that were successful, you people might actually know your name. Like I know who John Carmack is mm-hmm. now. He didn't make doom by himself. But still, mm-hmm. 
he was like the guy right um i don't remember his name but you do diablo david brevik david brevik yeah you know his name because he's an absolute lad he is for in in more ways than one i could gush about david brevik but i won't um so a couple of things come from needing to make a game or having a game you want to make and you are like the small group of people that are going to do it and then there's the you work on the 15th floor of blizzard hq blizzard slash thq slash ea activision headquarters i know those aren't all con- together but like you get my point yeah, they might as well all be the same at this point yeah you work on the it's fifth- only a matter of time before they all merge anyway because <laughs> the single the gaming singularity is coming <laughs> um you work on the 15th floor you know and you're not going to write a single line of code for this game but you need to go to meetings every day where you're going to meet with people from marketing you're going to meet with people from art and assets you know the actual development team like the physics development team that's going to make all of these things yeah the development teams teams uh yeah um you have the game designers which don't care about any of the aforementioned things as much about they're running these mechanics through math models to figure out how balanced or unbalanced right they're thinking about the player experience yeah not the the actual implementation of any of it right and you have all these people in the room that have somewhat of a say over how the game gets made, especially the marketing folks who hear terms like open world RPG and are like, we did a study and the market cap on open world RPG is huge. We've got to include some elements to capture that audience. Giving zero regard to whether it makes sense. Right. Or what those terms even mean. True. We, we have some exposure to this in our own, careers Mm -hmm. getting orders from folks who have no idea what they're talking about yeah um do you know how many apis i've written that didn't have uis but showed data on a map like a particular one well that's a particular pain point for you lately but i mean even stuff i mean i think there's a i think it was a dilbert strip um where it was like, like the boss comes in and he's like, we need to do something with whatever, like a buzzword and AI. Yeah, AI, but or, or like the cloud or some other thing that nobody understands. Um, and then the, whoever the other character was is just uh, is just thinking like, okay, how long is it gonna? Er, oh, that, yeah, he asks him like a completely unrelated question, but making making it sound like it's related to to whatever he said. And then he gives an answer, and he's like, okay, that means you don't actually know what that is, and we're not actually going to do this. Um, yeah. It would be better if I could actually remember the uh, the joke. But anyway, the point is, yes, people who heard about something in the news and were like, we need to try this. It's the new hotness. And it's like, no, we don't. <laughs> if you don't know why we need to try it, we just need to try it because it's the new hotness. We don't. Yeah, but our venture, but our venture capitalists would be willing to throw extra funding behind it if we were developing technology along the lines of cryptocurrency. How do we make an AI? Oh blockchain? yeah, that's what the, that's what the buzzword was in the comic. That was blockchain. <laughs> yeah, how do we make an AI blockchain algorithm that can machine learn a quantum computer? You know what I mean? Like, let's get on that. <laughs> like that—that's the level of 
techno babble garbage that you might hear in a meeting where you you play and if you don't know what any of those words mean don't worry neither do our bosses um <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you can play lingo bingo all day that's a fun phrase i'm gonna write that down lingo bingo um <laughs> I'm tickled myself. Uh, you need to make a lingo bingo card to bring to all your meetings and check off whatever. You punch them, yeah. As and they then in through. the middle of the meeting, show, bingo. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, uh, nothing. <laughs> when are we going to CES? I mean, I've got high stakes on this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you have that person coming in the room who's like, I don't... And, and to be fair to the marketing person, their job is not to understand games. Their job is to understand how do we make money <laughs> yeah how can how I... do we make something people want to buy yeah right well or in much the case with software because your reproduction cost is zero it costs you no more money really like you, your costs are not scaled with the number of copies you sell mm -hmm. necessarily very little if any it, de it depends on the kind of game if it's an online only multiplayer type game it could maintenance wise but yeah if you're doing dedicated servers then there is some cost but by and large the more you sell the more money you make unlike a lot of other things where you now have to build in all this other stuff to supply chain up an economy of scale this to make it work yeah people already did that though they're called the internet architects <laughs> they did it for you <laughs> you've yeah. already done everything for you right so you can just and and i think this is why it isn't particularly bad in games because you just need people to buy copies or buy subscriptions and most games are not looking to survive for a very long time either even if they are online games that require persistent maintenance you'll find ways to fund that later if it picks up and goes off right you need to make sales on the launch because that is when the hype for your game is going to be at the absolute peak and marketing teams are really good at getting the hype train to Chuchin. Actually, the community is really good at getting hype trains to Chuchin. It makes the marketing team's job very easy. Mm -hmm. um, I think some of the best examples are like a, like No Man's Sky is like one of the is a great example of a game that did not deserve the hype that it got. Mm -hmm. um, not because it wasn't ambitious or anything, which that's a word we'll come back to. Um, but because the expectations just got pumped into oblivion by the community. Oh, that's a different game. Sorry. Oh, that's true. Game actually worth the price. But <laughs> it, it, they got pumped up so high because Sony backed it. There were constant news articles coming out about all the things you can do. And everyone wanted to be the first to report on this new feature and mechanic that was in the game. And it was being developed by like 15 people. Um, and then on release just wasn't what everyone thought it was going to be. And they did the right thing ultimately by going back and fixing it, but they didn't have to, they made, they made money. They made money on that game. A lot of money because you got it on initial sale. Um, and a lot of, and a lot of players in the industry do that. They, they can pump out, they can pump up a game to be huge and sell millions of copies on day one week one of launch and cover the entire cost of development for the past years going into it mm -hmm. and then you're good like you can just wipe the sweat off your brow you have broken even you've made money whatever happens next you're fine right mm 
Um, and that's the risk for re- versus reward, I think, with games is that you you have to sink all the cost in up front with z- practically zero return. Well, used to anyway. Early access is a thing mm-hmm. now, but we can talk about that later, maybe. Or is it worth going into now? Mm, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense for this show. Maybe not. Um, this is not a game development analysis show. No, it's not. Something that might be related, though, is games that go into early access tend to, I think, be worse about this. But I also think it's because there's a certain kind of person who is into early access. Yes. Yeah, that demographic is more ready to spend money. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, well... And also, yeah, if you can get paid before your game is actually done... Why would you ever finish it? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. We can just keep the hype going forever. Like, one day this is going to release, I promise. (laughs) Look at you, No Man's Sky. <laughs> no, no Man's Sky. Chris Roberts. Who? Chris Roberts, the lead developer and architect of a game that's not come out ever. And it's like a meme at this point because it's still not out, but they still made Half Life 3. <laughs> <laughs> not Gaben. Um, yeah, I know. It's not. Star Citizen. Oh, yeah. That's Chris Roberts. Yeah. Anyway. Uh yeah, so most games that try to be everything suck. Change my mind. Yeah. Um Yeah, be something and be it well. Yeah. Now that being said, there are a lot of games that come out that only have a certain subset of mechanics that never see the light of day, and they all and they get a special kind of nickname laid at their feet. X-like games. Mm, yeah rogue likes are a good example you want to go into that because you know more about that game than i do i mean i know about rogue i know more about rogue than you do yeah okay Okay, this is a good point these days i don't know a lot about what i don't know what people call a roguelike i know that it has departed significantly from rogue in that case let's do it like this because i know a lot about rogue likes i've never played rogue okay so the og rogue um is a text-based game well i I say text text interface based game with text like ascii graphics played on a keyboard um it's it is like the classic dungeon crawler um your goal is to get to the hundredth floor of the dungeon and beat a boss i think and then i think you also have to climb all the way back out but by the time you're doing that all the enemies are dead so it probably doesn't matter unless you like ran down the stairs and left some baddies waiting for you (laughs) on a floor somewhere anyway the point is you got to go you got to get the thing and you got to get out um and that's the whole game uh but the the thing that keeps people coming back it makes it uh replayable is it's procedurally generated the maps are procedurally generated and it it's procedurally generated it's hard and you're there there is permanent death if your character dies you have to start over um those those are like well and and it, it's a it has rpg mechanics it's a role-playing game um so you have a character sheet and all that stuff um and the game gets progressively more difficult so th- those are like the main components of, of a of what i would call a roguelike um okay. procedurally generated levels increasing difficulty rpg like leveling up mechanics and permanent death okay so i'm just looking to see like what games I've played that 
everyone else would call a part of this category. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 mechanic that separates a modern roguelike that exists in rogue is the permadeath. That mm-hmm. is that is that's the impression that I get is like any game that has permadeath is a roguelike, <laughs> but not even actual permadeath. Like this is another weird thing about it. So, for example, there's a couple of games, um, Sunless Seas and Sunless Skies. It's a, two games; okay. one leads follows the other. It gets the title of road roguelike, but when you die, all of your stuff is left. All of the things you saved in the bank go as inheritance to your next character, right? Which isn't roguelike. It's not roguelike. Yeah, just because you have to go back to the first level doesn't mean... Well, but to be fair, yeah. you do lose some things. Mm-hmm. Like anything you didn't save. So anything you were using, you lose. But anything you... Like you can save your money up and put it in the bank. You know? Yeah. That's not roguelike. That's, that's very not rogue. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the soul-crushing anguish of, oh my God, I have to start over now. <laughs> yeah. That's part of rogue. If you drew the line that you have to start all the way over... And absolutely nothing transitions between uh, playthroughs, then a lot of things that are considered roguelike would fall off here. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are even games that have progression, that have parallel progression mechanics. There's character progression, but there's also player progression. So um, let's take a uh, arena shooter, not arena shooters. Um, there are some. Uh, what are they called? Um, battle Royale shooters that have mm-hmm. roguelike mechanics. Hunt, Showdown, and Escape from Tarkov being like this. And they take the roguelike element and they condense it into a section. Now, when you say roguelike element... The the, the permadeath, hardcore, whatever. Okay. Uh, but it's not permadeath. What, what it is is it's like a gamble. You you put everything in and you lose everything from this subsession. Mm-hmm. But your player continues to advanced so in hunt it does this differently than escape from tarkov and escape from tarkov it's the same character the rpg mechanics continue on between deaths so it's not it's it's less roguelike mm-hmm. whereas in hunt you actually go to the store well, not the store you 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 get a random roll of characters you can pick up and play at a certain level mm. each and they have starting equipment you pick them and go but what their starting level is and everything like that is determined by your player level mm. so your player level can guarantee you better starting conditions at higher levels than at lower levels. But these characters all start out as pre-builts that you don't get to customize until you've succeeded. Um, but there are still checkpoints in the game where you get to come back out and buy new things and improve the, the the character. But if the character dies at any point, you lose all of the things associated with that character. And then you go back to the buy screen and you pick a new character. So that's more roguelike than Tarkov, where it's mm-hmm. the same character. But it's just... But it's not... It's only more roguelike in the sense that it's more permadeath. Than- <laughs> it's more permadeath, yeah. But that's that being the core underlying mechanic that I think is what people think about when they say something is or isn't a roguelike. And to be fair, there are some games that still absolutely have this. There are some that would say a roguelike needs to be turn-based like Rogue. Yeah, I don't think... Because that's another... Okay, speaking of David Brevik from earlier, Diablo was originally supposed to be turn-based because David Brevik also did believe this. He was trying to make 3D Rogue um because that would have been a novel concept at the time um and his favorite moments of rogue uh and and other actual roguelikes like angband and nethack um which most people have never heard of um his, his favorite moments are when you 
okay okay the way rogue works time only passes when you move um mm. so so it's kind of it's like pseudo turn based there's no real time events happening but anytime you move your character or do an action time will pass the enemies can move and shoot things at you or whatever um so his favorite moments are okay i'm in a tense situation i'm surrounded by enemies and i'm carefully thinking the next step i'm going to take to avoid dying yeah. um because i'm at i'm at low health and i'm out of potions um you know do i make a do i make a run for the stairs to go back up a floor and try to recover or or or, or do i risk the, the you know going on the offensive or whatever like that hit the sweaty moments like that were his favorite thing and that, that was what he he resisted uh turning it into a real-time uh game because of that so that hardcore rogue fans <laughs> think that that is an important part of being a roguelike as well yeah and some games do carry some other elements over so i better roguelike is something like ftl which takes it's a sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, by the name ftl being faster than light mm-hmm. you're in a starship and you have to get to the end well, there's a fixed matrix of nodes you can pass through to get to the end zone. But what is inside of each of the main nodes is procedurally generated, like Rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, you're being chased. So the story of FTL is you're running away from the rebels because you're part of the good guys. And the rebels are chasing you. And <clears throat> when you get to the end, you get back to your home base. And then you have to prepare and then fight them at the end. That's that's the mm-hmm. whole overarching story um but in, within each zone you jump to so you jump for a, for all intents and purposes you're jumping from like star sector to star sector there's like mm-hmm. a series of stars or objects you can visit but when you jump into one you have so many turns before they can before they're gonna enter the sector and they move progressively across the sector chasing you so each turn you take is a turn you get to do your thing and then they advance. So you can't just keep going back. So if you find like a supply depot where you can buy supplies, but you don't have any money and then you jump ahead and you get money, you may not be able to jump back because they've advanced. Right. So it's kind of like that where the enemy's only moving when you move. And then some nodes can be combat nodes where you have to fight and that's turn-based. It's back and forth combat, mm-hmm. um, isolated in a moment. Um, and in, in this one, if you die, you lose everything. Like, you start entirely over back from space one, and it's a new procedurally generated thing. The factions remain the same, um, but you're an entirely new character. You can pick a different ship to, to, to do it with, but it's much more roguelike in that way. It's permadeath. The enemy is always reacting to what you're doing in that way where, you know, you can actually sit and contemplate what you're going to do, and mm-hmm. nothing's going to just run you over. It's not actually time-based. It's turn time-based. Um on top of having actual turn-based combat in a combat moment. Um, but it's not fantasy at all. Mm-hmm. It's not in a dungeon. It's linear. You go all the way to the end and then you beat the bad guy and that's it. You don't mm-hmm. have to climb back out, you know. Um, and then each run is procedurally generated. So that's a lot more roguelike, but it's still very, very different. Um, but the, the thing that's interesting about that is, I think, I'm sure there are folks out there who like back to our topic being purist versus inclusive. Mm -hmm. There are those who will say that rogue sucks. I don't like, I would not play rogue and I would not play pure roguelikes because I don't like that game, but I like some of the mechanics and I like this particular blend of the mechanics. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to borrow aspects from that and bring it in. And I, and I feel like just just spoiler alert, this whole topic I feel like most people are going to land somewhere in the middle. 
total purism ain't it where it's at and total inclusivity ain't where it's at well i would even say that diluting rogue and making a game that pulls some elements like permanent death i wouldn't even say i wouldn't even say that that counts as inclusivity i think that's just a different thing that you can also be a purist about um it's interesting yeah like it's it's not pure rogue anymore but it could be pure something else mm-hmm. um because yeah it, lots of games have like a hardcore mode as well that that has permanent death um or whatever or yeah it may not it may not have like rpg elements or something like that maybe you don't care about that um maybe you you know i've, I've seen i've seen what i could maybe even consider like first person shooter roguelikes that i that i would agree are, are roguelike mm-hmm. um and like uh, you know we're, we're departing a long way from from rogue um but super hot yeah that's one you ever seen that game um i have <clears throat> i have not very much of it but i'm familiar with the concept it's another one that yeah time passes when you move which is kind of cool yeah um <clears throat> so anyway the um the the but the point is yeah it's it's having a core concept versus let's just do all the things in our game that's that's the difference between purity and inclusivity mm. is like okay like okay let's go to another another uh you know fad mechanic the crafting system oh god um let's look at a game like minecraft it's its mechanics are right in the title you mine you mine i.e you tear up the earth and rearrange it you know like a sandbox and you craft you make items from the components that you dig up yep um it knows exactly what it is and it isn't anything else well i say that it's a very it's a sandbox game so people make it into all kinds of other stuff too but that's like that's part of the craft right um well and yeah it's it's a it minecraft arguably isn't even a game on its own it's just a sandbox it it technically has an end but most people don't care about that um but there's also combat in minecraft right so you, you can make it about the combat if you want and you can play with other players and make it competitive or cooperative if you want it's kind of do your own things maybe that wasn't a good example but um well it's an example where you can separate the core mechanic from okay so yeah so we have like the okay let's maybe let's forget about crafting systems and switch to building which is the other the other minecraft mechanic okay we take that okay now let's think of another genre that could be pure first person shooters okay um you know you got your classics call of duty your team deathmatch shooters right uh halo yeah team deathmatch first person shooters yeah yeah. team deathmatch first person shooters call of duty halo you know those are shooter games right Mm -hmm. okay now let's look at a really popular game fortnite yep which is both of those put together basically and also battle royale because why not um i think that's where it it starts to kind of blur the line and well no it it doesn't blur the line it very clearly departs it it tries it's no it doesn't depart from those genres it smashes them together into something completely different correct um which purposely which ends up resembling neither of them do you know what fortnite started out as i feel like i knew this once upon a time tower defense game Mm. that's it i wish there were more tower defense games can we take bring bring back tower defense games yeah bring back balloons too you know well okay (laughs) It's funny you say that because it, it's apparently okay. I don't know if this is like becoming a meme or if it's just one guy that I know of that keeps saying it, but 
he he keeps he keeps making reference anytime he comes across a mechanic in something that is remotely similar to tower defense he's like did you ever play balloons tower defense and it's like is this the only tower defense game that people know about it, it was a really good one yeah you, you know why you could get to it on school computers yeah it was a flash game yeah yep and it was good it was a really interesting concept it played out well with the mechanic like it played it, the mechanics played well with like the I feel like all video games take some elements from reality that it's like, I can grasp that as a real concept and then they just gamify it. Mm-hmm. You ever played Bloons? No, but I've played Tower Defense. <clears throat> okay, but what makes Bloons interesting is it's it's Tower Defense, as you said. Do you know who the bad guys are in Bloons? They're balloons. Yes. Yeah. Do you know who the good guys are? Monkeys? Monkeys, yeah. yes. It's monkeys popping balloons, which is a hilarious concept on its face. Mm-hmm. But... I think all tower defense games have the the enemy character set, right? You mm-hmm. have the basic enemy, the the foot soldier enemy that it's like a one-shot kill and their danger is in numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then you have the slightly harder to kill enemies, right? Do you know how they do that in balloons? They're bigger balloons. No, nested balloons. Oh. So you pop the outer balloon, but there's another balloon on the inside. I see. And pretty much that becomes a thing that every other balloon has is the different shells have different effects. Mm. So some balloon shells are immune to fire and won't pop. But you don't know what's underneath it. Mm-hmm. You, you can't see the layers of the balloons. So, oh, here's an anti-fire balloon. So it'll get past all your fire stuff. And then if you pop it with like a pin, and then it's something that would be very vulnerable to fire. Well, it's too late. You've already passed all your fire defenses. Mm-hmm. But once you pop that, you don't know what's underneath that. And so the difficulty increases because the layers keep going. Some balloons, You need to mix your layers because you don't... Yeah, that's exactly right. You can't just say, okay, anything that's, immune to, anything that's uh, weak to fire will get caught by this barrier. Anything that's weak to this will get caught by this barrier. It's not that simple because the same thing might be immune to different things in different phases. Okay, that is pretty interesting. Yeah, and they're just wrapped more and more layers of balloons. And then you get all to Zeppelins, which are like really big balloons, which yes. when you pop them, have a bunch of small balloons in them. Because that's another thing that can happen. Some balloons are invisible to certain types of monkeys, and only certain special monkeys can see these balloons. Like there's, just, And that's all it is. It's it, And your tools are, this thing is good at popping this kind of balloon, mm-hmm. but you don't know when you'll get one. And even one that passes in an instant can convert to something else at any other point until you get all the way down and every balloon ends as a red soldier balloon with one hit point that anything can pop. Yep. And that's the whole thing about it that makes it super, super interesting is that we can all understand the concept of nested balloons. Yes. And monkeys that pop them (laughs) in very creative ways. Anyway, now that we have drifted quite far from the topic... (laughs) you want to hear my dissertation on blue (laughs) sorry go on um so what does this have to do with with purity versus inclusivity well pure balloons will (laughs) no okay well i think what it has to do is i think purity may be an interesting word here it's more like it's it's almost like focus focus versus acquisition you know this is exactly right it's focus how narrow versus broad and focus should something be yeah um well when you phrase it like that i feel like the things that ended up doing it the best did not bolt on extra crap just to appeal to some other 
smaller group to form right. an aggregation. Halo was great, even though it was linear in its campaign. Um, and you know, is it doesn't have procedurally generated maps in the multiplayer and doesn't have a crafting system. <laughs> it yeah. was fine. It it did two things really well. It had a, the single player campaign, single slash co-op campaigns. Yeah, had an interesting good. story and well, well-designed campaign and good multiplayer and good multiplayer. Arguably you could, I think you can consider the forge a separate thing. I, I don't even think about that when I think about Halo. I know that was your big experience with Halo. That was after my time with Halo, really. It was huge. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing that Bungie did in older games, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, well, yeah, as a former player of Warcraft 3, I do appreciate level editors, yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's... Okay, we're going to do this quick aside because you have to do it. I think when you hear that the development team for a game started making the game and then decided we need to just build the tools first to build the game you want to build and then use those tools to build the game and then release those tools. To me, that sounds like, okay, this is going somewhere. Like, right. Cause every time I've ever they seen came out it, with something, they came up with something good that yeah. is worth doing this too. Yeah. Like there's one game I'm looking forward to right now that I saw the concept. and was like, this is interesting. But then I heard that the dev who was making it was like, well, I got halfway he all of a sudden randomly delayed the game for like a year and everyone was like whoa why did you just push it back a year you didn't even push it back six months he's like because i couldn't do what i wanted in the framework that i had so i'm stopping on the game right now and i'm going to build a tool to let me build the game i want to build and then i'm going to build the game i want to build in that tool and i'm going to release both and i was like this guy is a real developer i am stoked now because that every game that's ever done that that i've ever known of has been great has been great and i was like cool i'm ready let's go Yes. A side ended. <laughs> Level editor is good. Level editor, good. If you need to, yeah. Mm. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Also, if you want your game to last forever, ship the level editor. The yep. community will make it whatever else. The favorite example, of course, being Dota. Dota. Yeah. Right. The Warcraft 3 level editor created a whole different game that became its own beast, a whole, its own genre, genre. Yeah. of game. <laughs> Man, what a ripoff that every other MOBA is not called a Dota-like. Yes, but that's because this is back when we actually named things uh, for, you know... Their mechanics. Right, instead of the one the one game that did it best before. And <laughs> yeah. To some extent. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. I, I think most most examples of games that did well did it with purpose or they started out as a they started out with purpose included something else and then that other thing that was included became the better thing and then became the focus which that's what happened to Fortnite. Mm -hmm. it started out as a tower defense game or like a sorry not tower defense my correction wave defense game Mm, yeah that is different that well but that's why you build is because you need to it's it's similar though Wave defense is pretty similar to tower defense, but not the same. No, it's not predictable path in, but it's still pretty close. You're going to get attacked by a bunch of enemies. You have some downtime to prepare in between. You, you're you going to live and die by what you set up in the beginning. You know. That also makes the name make more sense. That's a more appropriate name for a wave defense game. Yeah. You were supposed to survive in your fort through the night, and you had all day to build. So you had the day well, to build. Also, a fortnight is a length of time. Right, so this is like how long you have to survive, presumably. 14 days, yeah. Yeah. 14 rounds, yeah. 
and uh, that's where all the building mechanics came from. The shooter mechanics were there because you could contribute to the defense, but you alone could not defend yourself. You have to build the fortifications needed. And no one cared. No one played that because for whatever reason, wave defense games were never their own thing, really. It was, right, always, it was always like a side thing and something else. Like my experience with wave defense, well, it either is with RTS games or first person shooters uh, campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, well, you beat the campaign. What do you do now? Well, we're going to stick you on a map and we're just going to throw increasing oh, numbers no, no, of enemies no. at you. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just thinking about like, okay, somewhere in the middle of the campaign, there's just a wave defense level. <laughs> oh, I was thinking. That's my experience with it. Oh, you're correct. But I was also thinking about how. Cod and, zombies. Yeah. <laughs> no, not even oh, that. Well, but, but also that. Also that. But. <laughs> World at War had zombies, but if you were lame modern warfare, you couldn't. Ri- if you're if you're Activision, you can't rip off Treyarch's idea because mm-hmm. that would just be obvious plagiarism, even though they do it now. So instead, what do they do? Oh, we're going to do special operations, and one of the categories is wave defense, where they just spawn. It's literally like those sections of the campaign, except just that. Mm-hmm. You spawn in, you get some stuff. They throw a bunch of enemies at you. You kill them all. You get to the end. You win. Good job. Not fun. No one liked it. <laughs> we only grinded it for the achievement. Um, <laughs> um, but for the things that Call of Duty set out to do, let's create a, like Halo, first-person shooter, single-player campaign, maybe call, maybe call it plan, campaign, campaign mm-hmm. a local optional campaign, mm-hmm. and let's make an online multiplayer with teams that are fun. Now, to be fair, I think most online most yeah multiplayer online shooters all have like kind of the same handful of game modes that i've been calling team new modes even though one of them literally is called free for all because it's literally not team on purpose right but there's like there's only a handful that have ever really existed because i think the mechanics are like what you can actually do and achieve is fairly limited right let's see you've got capture the flag defend the zone king of the hill of some type right um I don't know what you would call this, but like it's like hot potato. It's like mobile king of the hill. Like you kill the guy who's in the in the lead. Well, I know what Halo calls it. Yeah, I don't remember what they call it. Actually. Oddball. Oddball. Yeah. Oddball. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. You hold the skull. The skull, which means that you can't use your gun, and you're the and you get points for every second that you hold the skull. So you're vulnerable while you're holding it, but you have to hold it to get points. Yeah, and if you die, you drop it, and then whoever picks it up gets to start getting points, and then right. the game lasts for some period of time, and then whoever held it for the longest period of time in that game wins. Mm-hmm. Um, one that you don't see replicated, Juggernaut. Mm. You're super. It's like Oddball, except you're super powerful. Yeah, it's like anti-Oddball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're very powerful, and you become Juggernaut by killing the Juggernaut presumably everyone would need to kind of somewhat cooperate or prioritize the juggernaut first because every right. kill you get as a juggernaut you get points and i every- thought it was time-based also i thought juggernaut was its kills as I the juggernaut I, I didn't really play that mode so i don't know i, I played i played ninja not a lot which was like the glass cannon juggernaut ver- mm. variant um but yeah they all have those are kind of the stock ones that you have though like i knew what they were called in other games domination which is capture the point and there may be multiple points that you just have to hold zones. King of the Hill, which is move, one move zone that moves around that you capture it and hold it as long as you can. And then it despawns and then spawns. So anyway, one. the point is that first-person shooters, yeah, these are the these are the, the competitive categories that make sense. And there's not really a whole lot else to do with it. No. But they've been... Most, but they're good. Like, yeah, they work. <laughs> they're fun. 
yeah they are fun they they are in every one for a reason because everyone who plays shooters that wants to just shoot people as a mechanic you got to give them some you got to give a reason for me to shoot this guy except in team deathmatch which is well because points obviously yeah <laughs> but you got to be better than like good yeah at the one mechanic yeah yeah the one mechanic yeah um but yeah if you build a game for that it's gonna probably be pretty good um as long as it's balanced like there's things you have to consider but yeah if you don't throw in a bunch of random other crap i think you know it, this is a thing that branches outside of, of video games into other i mean so i i've been throwing around the the concept of uh you know do one thing and do it well mm-hmm. this has existed for a long time but those of us in computers know this as the unix philosophy mm-hmm. um because the whole revolutionary thing about the unix operating system was that all the program it, it, it only came with small scope general purpose programs um they didn't do very much on their own but they did one job very well and the operating system let you chain them together into things that did do big things that you wanted to do right so that's that and 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 this is a highly praised philosophy in, in software development these days and i think that this is true for games and other things as well yeah um that you you will do better if you focus on something and and master it versus if you try to be all the things at once the jack of all trades master of none so why do you have so many hobbies let me call you out real quick well (laughs) because i think the one thing that most people would go yes up until is but what about me why i don't want to just be i don't want to be the best cashier ever like we kind of cringe at that idea you know I mean, mm, I can say a very, a very quotable thing, uh, because your life is not a product. Oof. Um, it's good. Yeah. Life is about experience. And so if you want to experience new things, then you should go ahead and do that. And that's a, that's a separate issue from when you're trying to make the best thing of a type of thing. Yeah. But games are experiences. Mm-hmm. And if I want to experience... And I can play more than one game if I want mm. <laughs> all the experiences, but your game can't be all the games it can try you know you can you can make a game that hat that is a first person shooter and uh procedurally generated destructible open world uh, rpg <laughs> with, with a crafting system racing and all that but it's never going to be halo or minecraft or diablo or whatever yeah it's never going to be as great as any of those it's i think a great analogy for this is food we people might love ice cream people might love hamburgers people might love nachos and people might love pickles but i don't want to eat a ice cream nacho hot dog pickle hamburger bowl yeah that that sounds disgusting yep yep but if but i would go to the best ice cream shop that i could find to get a really good ice cream for dessert after going to a burger shop and getting a really good burger you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and space it out um obviously it's another perfect analogy because well no it kind of is because you can't have all the experiences at one eat at once either and maybe that's the problem it's okay to have a bunch of experiences just don't try to have them all at once like mm-hmm. give them each their own time yes well and i think i think it is true we can we get we can say that life is better when you focus as well this is actually i i'm not going to have the uh the research handy in front of me but 
there has been research about this, that people enjoy things like movies and music more when they do them as focused activities rather than just background noise. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, so even for me, collector of hobbies, I don't, I'm not doing all my hobbies at the same time. I focus on one at a time. Right. I mean, I think that really succinctly sums it up. Honestly, I'm looking at the time too. We have a little time. We have a little time. I almost wish we could say that's the topic and then put out another 15 minute <laughs> buzzer. But like, for those of you who are listening seriously and have are short of time, you know, that's, I think that's the apex of this episode is that if you're going to, if you're going to have a product, have a product with a purpose. And then if you're going to live a life, cons- you know, consume products mm-hmm. with purpose in that way, in their own time. I do, I, this this permeates so many things, and that's where I'm trying to think about where I want to go with this, because I feel like so many things are trying to be everything. Yes. Up into and including, like, people. Mm-hmm. Because, you, but you can't, you know? Like, I, I'm going to pick on a, I'm going to use a gaming analogy to tie this in. Okay. Skyrim, you're familiar with that game. Yes. What bugs me about that game? Uh, that... They keep releasing it on every single platform that comes out ever since it released. Absolutely. But that's not what I'm talking <laughs> <Okay>. about. <laughs> what I'm talking about with that game, it, it's a power fantasy game. That's the point. It's mm-hmm. to be a, the... Yeah, you're the dragonborn. You're the, you're the guy. You're the guy. Yes. But what's funny about that is in one city, you can spend a few hours and it's like, well, wow, I'm head of the Thieves Guild. A few hours later, well, I'm over in different city. Now I'm head of the Wizarding Guild few hours later i'm head of the fighters guild it's like okay you're just running around collecting all the things and we're creating a character that is trying to master all things mm-hmm. right um i don't like that i get why people think that that's fun because i think we all deep down kind of acknowledge that that's not doable in real life right yeah we well yes and people are frustrated this is why people get frustrated when they when they and 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 don't really get full enjoyment when they try new hobbies and such because we all well i say we all people are kind of conditioned to expect rapid success in things yeah and yeah and that plays into that into that fantasy of oh yeah i'm i'm gonna dabble in 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 thieving and 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 pension (laughs) and then i and i become the best thief that there is right in, ex- in short order yeah right meanwhile you go in real life and try to actually learn a skill right learn to play a musical instrument oh man and and you're going to be so unbelievably bad when you start because it's not nearly as easy as it seems oh man the number of how to become a pro at x skill in x minutes you will not youtube videos that are out there you will not become a pro at x skill in in x minutes and you'll know it that's the thing um what are your thoughts on people who learn to play songs not instruments you know what i mean as a person who's dabbled in music have you ever heard that concept playing a song learning a song and not learning an instrument yeah um don't be wrong if that's the purpose like for example there are other people who are like well i want to learn to play this romantic song at my wife's wedding at my wife's wedding (laughs) (laughs) 
That's a good one. <laughs> I want to learn to play the song for my wife at our wedding. <laughs> and they go learn one song. That's sweet. That's fine. You set up with the purpose to learn to play at the song, right? right. Um, I know you're wrong. That might be a micro way to feel accomplished. Because that's learning a song is so much easier than learning the instrument mm-hmm. in every case. <laughs> um, but you wouldn't call yourself a musician, maybe, or a, a pianist or a guitarist. It's a or party whatever. trick, not a skill. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. And I think that there's a lot, but I do think that there's a strong emphasis on these. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of people emphasize learning their bag of party tricks mm-hmm. because. Well, and why is that? Like, besides the fact that it's a lot easier to collect a party trick than it is to collect a skill. Well, it's easier and it impresses people. Yeah, the ratio of impressing people to ease of learning Mm -hmm. is much... The return on investment is much higher. (laughs) Especially if you don't maintain that same group of people. Like, if you came over to my house and I played you a song on the piano, I'd be like, that's really cool. And I'd be like, yay, I've gotten... I've gotten my social good boy points for this right and i'm very unlikely to hand you some sheet music and say now play this right (laughs) but if you come over next week and i'm playing the same song again it kind of wears off almost immediately why haven't i seen you play your piano in months now (laughs) why is it now collecting dust yeah it's like oh because you showed me the one thing that you could show me on it yeah well and it's a lot easier and i think you know i'm sure there's going to be the people on out there like well, on social media, if you can just play... And, and this is another thing. Actually, no, I am going to go down on this. Okay. Um, you know, Do you know who Dude Perfect is? That name is familiar. Popular YouTube guy? Pop, well, popular YouTube channel. It's a group of guys. Okay. They origin- they're on TV now, first of all, which is hilarious, A. That's funny. But B, they got famous by pulling off impressive feats. Like, okay. I dropped a... Bas- I shot a basketball off a dam and made a, th- made a shot on the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you know how they did that? You know, trying over that. and over until they got it. Yeah, but do they show you? No, they show you the the one attempt, and then they string together a bunch of successful attempts, and it's pretty inspiring. It it's it's awe inspiring to watch because you get to see all these things that if they had just happened the first time would have been oh moments like right. Well, and, and well, back back to what we were just talking about. YouTube musicians are like this as well. Oh yeah, they'll show you a super impressive like thirty second clip of them doing something amazing, but you didn't see the hundred takes it took them to do that. But the problem is, is it's easier to just do a hundred takes and get it right one time, and then. You know, as opposed to the musician who has to now go perform that song live for the rest of their life if it's famous enough, right. you know, um, it's very, very different. And I, I'll, I'll be the first to say that I feel like I, I will not say that a musician, I will not say that a musician is good until I see him live. I can like a song and think a song is good, but I won't say the musician's good until I see it live because mm. you only get it right in the studio one time. And you don't even have to get it right. No, you don't even have to do that. They'll edit it together. Like, they'll take your best runs of each section and throw it in there. Right. They'll take your best solo and lay it in on the rest of the track, you know. And I, I got to say, that was like one of the biggest dis- moments of disillusionment in my life was watching a musician that I really liked play live for the first time. And be like, oh, he sucks. Like, this isn't at all what I expected. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. And granted... I was like, maybe it's just this one. Like he just tried something and it didn't work out. But then I watched, I, thanks to YouTube, I can go see a bunch of his attempts. Mm-hmm. 
I know he's just consistently bad, but you know what he's good at? Sobering up in the studio and getting it right. I once. was going to say, yeah, he's probably also bad because he's drunk or high or both <laughs> or both. Yeah, <laughs> it was Joe Walsh. So both, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's a totally different thing. And I, I get a ton of anxiety about that. Like I, 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 I've played music before and I remember thinking to myself, yeah, I can play this song and get it 95% correct consistently. Mm-hmm. And I feel really good about that. But if you're a pro, like you get it right a hundred percent. And for some reason, like I remember playing guitar hero, speaking of games, mm-hmm. I remember I'd be playing the song that I played a thousand times and I'm chugging along, playing the song, enjoying it, listening to it. But I noticed that streak meter in the bottom is sitting at hundred mm-hmm. percent. And the longer it sits there, the anxiety just builds and builds. Yeah, I haven't made a mistake yet. When's it going to happen? And then I eventually make it because I'm worried about it yes. happening. Yeah. And you don't have to deal with that though. If you're just learning the, you know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. God, that is such a core memory <laughs> of that's funny yeah i think i think the 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 overall lesson from that is don't be afraid of mistakes and take them in stride i think the i think the the biggest thing if, if we're sticking to, to music that i learned was if you make a mistake just stay in time and keep playing right because your audience probably didn't even notice that you made a mistake. Yeah. You know that you made the mistake because it didn't sound the way that it should have sounded in practice. But your audience may not even know what you were trying to play. Your audience may not even be paying attention. <laughs> That's also true. Um, so, yeah, just stay in time and keep going. And it's fine. It's yeah. going to sound a lot worse if you freeze and <laughs> try to do it again. Yeah. Oh, that's that is true. That is so cringe when you're watching a live performance and they run into the lick and then they like mess up and then they like just sit there for a minute and just nothing happens. <laughs> and then it comes back around. Then they hit it again and it's like, woof! Like it's this is bad. It's it bad. Um, there's no there's no end to the number of people that have taken their own run at the Star Spangled Banner at an oh, event. No, that is an endless pit of failed attempts oh and the worst ones are when they they try to hit that land of the free and they don't quite get it and they stop and they and it's acapella so there's nothing to keep them in time and so they just back up and run at it again and it's like oh it's like it's like, it's like watching a child trying to climb over like a small obstacle and they just can't do it and it's just like oh Oh, it hurts my soul. I would like to take this moment to appreciate my favorite Star Spangled Banner performance, uh, which was a kids uh, like school band, uh, and 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 the kid with the symbols, his his symbol breaks, (laughs) it falls off the handle. The pure just I've seen that. Is that a video? It is a video. I think I've seen. And then he has the best reaction possible. The first thing he does is look around and wonder what he's supposed to do now that he can't play the symbols because one of his two symbols is gone now. He can't hold it, so he just salutes he does a military salute and stands <laughs> yeah, seen the, the moment there's a sheer panic on the child's face it's so <laughs> link in the show notes um <laughs> oh please yes oh man oh god oh man um well i think the thing i was trying to get at with all this <laughs> is 
you can take the week to learn the song right mm-hmm. and get it pretty good um but that's a week you didn't spend learning to play the instrument really you know like I'm not, i won't say that it's there isn't some transferability between learning how to play a song and play the instrument properly but you know i i think but it's also a lost opportunity cost to learn anything else and the more you try to collect party tricks the more you defer you know, the long-term joy of actually mastering a skill. Um, I think the most detrimental to this is your career. I mean, the number of people I've seen with resumes that are a mile long that know a little bit about everything, there there's a skill cap on that where if you look at the most well-paid people, a lot of them have done one thing a long time, and they are really good at that one thing. And that's what people need. And that's when they're unique. You know, the, the value comes from the supply and demand. Y- you don't even have to be in the most demanding skill set. But if the supply of experts is, you know, less than 1% of the people doing it that you can qualify out as an expert. Mm-hmm. Well, when you get to that level, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, you can, you can pay a lot of money to just be the best or one of the best at x thing even if it's incredibly niche and it often is incredibly niche you know in software it's people that have really honed down in on one language and one industry that are just like phenomenally good at it like the banking cobol developers Mm. that just they know the banking words they know what it all means they know about all of this thing they know how to make this work in their language and they don't need your manual to do it you know, they don't need, no one cares about all the, no one cares about their book club that they, or the book they wrote, you know, like that was one thing I remember in college. There was a guy who was talking about every time he mentioned or talk about himself, he talked about how he's a published author. And I'm like, you publishing a 20 page kids novel when you were freaking 18 doesn't count. Like, mm-hmm. but it was so neat. Like, that, like in my mind, that was like the epitome of a party trick type deal. I was like, cool. You published it on Amazon books when you were 18 years old for $5 you're not Stephen King. Shut up. <laughs> no one cares. No one's going to read it. How does this important and relate to your ability to run a department? Like, <laughs> but it's there. God. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, hey, just, I'm just mad about that now. I'm just, I don't want to turn this into a rant for the last few minutes, but like, now I'm just thinking about that guy and I don't want to say his name, but I know who he is. I kind of want to just find him on Facebook and tell him, how the book sales go. <laughs> I'm a published author. Oh, really? Uh, what's your book about? Um, a Very Hungry Caterpillar. <laughs> Literally, yes. Yeah. That's what it was like. <laughs> That's like saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a pilot because, you know, I dabble in the drones. <laughs> One time, I, I dabble in the Microsoft Flight Sim. <laughs> yes, Flight Sim. Well, well yeah, but... Okay, but that that's just a game though, right? Even though it, it anyway. But yes, it's like I got a kid's like toy drone, like quadcopter and flew it around my house. I'm a pilot. I was led into the cockpit of a 737 when I was 7 because I yes. got on the plane. Yes. I'm practically a pilot. They even gave me a plastic <laughs> Anyway, I guess the point is if you're that person, I'm annoyed at you. Um but also yeah, just pick a skill. Be good at it. That's that's going to be the thing. And 
you can collect skills over your lifetime. And and when I, I think we're maybe overemphasizing the being an expert part, you don't have to be like an expert expert, but like there is a point where you can definitely cross the threshold of, I have pretty well mastered this skill for all intents and purposes before you get into the realm of I'm competing with like, to use a video game analogy, a lot of video games with online rankings, there's like arbitrary names, bronze, silver, gold. Mm -hmm. And this is where it gets really arbitrary diamond, ultra diamond, ultra diamond plus whatever. But then there's, you know, getting into the diamond and up area, getting out of the pleb scores is mastering the skill. Mm -hmm. But then there is the new game plus version of, Oh, top 500. Mm Mm-hmm. That's different. Yes. And you don't have to be in that. to. You're not just arbitrarily good. Yeah. There's just fewer than 500 people who are better than you. (laughs) And you know exactly who they are. Yes. They're also on a list. (laughs) Yeah. So I I think like if we were to take an arbitrary skill, like driving, just like that, you know, you don't need to be in, you know, formula one or NASCAR to be a masterful driver. Now, all of those people are, mm-hmm. right? But you don't need to be that to consider the skill mastered for all intents and purposes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I guess you know, there's the two difficulty curves. There's the, I am better than 95, 99% of people at this thing. Cool. Good enough. Mastered. The ROI is peaked here. It It dips down a whole lot until you get up to that top 500. But the crossing that ocean is honestly may not even be worth it you know at that point so i'm not saying that you have to go be top 500 in anything you want to do probably shouldn't actually because that's when you start running into freaks of nature that are just like endowed with skills and abilities that you just simply were born in the wrong genetic dice roll to to, to be good at you know um but <laughs> you know you getting masterful at something i think would be definitely worth it and in that mm-hmm. and in that I think the chasing a purity as opposed to like just an over inclusivity of random party tricks. It's definitely more worth it and more rewarding, you know, it saying, you know how to play that song only feels good so many times, but being able to say that, yeah, I'm a musician. I can play this instrument always feels good. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that's the gift that keeps on giving. You gotta have a little patience. All right, I'm gonna go uh, find that guy on Facebook now who wrote that kid's book. I'll let you know how it went next week. I'm gonna go uh, pretend to be good at playing instruments. Um, pretending is the first step. <laughs> Philosophers. Philosophers. <laughs> If you like the music in this episode, please check out Jippy on Bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com. Philosophers is supported by viewers like you. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future, please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description, or in the comments below. Thank you for listening.